Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, today's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, so uh, uh, as you guys know, uh, if you've come here for any time, I did not uh, grow up in church. And uh, I was uh, in ninth grade, and I went to a church. Uh, I was actually living in Ohio at the time. Um, I've, I did repent from living in Ohio when I moved back to South, but uh, I went up there to um, I went up there to uh, the North and uh, come back to God's country. And then I came to Georgia. God's country is Tennessee, but I came to Georgia, uh, which is fine. I'm a missionary from Tennessee to Georgia, but. Um, I did go to, I lived in Ohio, and there was this guy that came by, and he was, he was a Baptist pastor. We lived about, I don't know, a block and a half, two blocks from this church, and I'd never gone really to church much. I've gone some, but not a lot. And this guy came by, and he had, you know, he, he had a big old smile on. He was a super nice guy. And, um, and he invited us to come to church. And so my mom was like, well, yeah, well, cool, we'll go to church. And so we did. It was my mom and I. We actually walked up to the church. That's how close we were. And we went up to the church, and it was on Palm Sunday. And um, we walked in, and remember, I hadn't been to church much before. We walked in, and everybody got these big palm branches. And I spent the whole service trying to figure out what in the world did they give me a palm branch for. Um, I had no idea why. And then at the end of the service, uh, the pastor had everybody hold up their palm branches and start waving them around. And I decided at that point I would never go back to a church ever again because these people are freaking weird. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is some crazy people. And so I didn't for a long time. Um, and, uh, but it literally, you guys, listen, I didn't know what Easter was for. Uh, I thought Easter was for the Easter bunny uh, and uh, solid bunnies uh, and uh, you know, hunting Easter eggs. And I thought Christmas was for presents and I had no idea what Palm Sunday was. Obviously, I know now that Palm Sunday is whenever people would, they, they, it, it's the palm, the palm leaf was a sign of royalty and they would wave back and forth of respect and they would wave back and forth. And that's what they were doing. They were waving the palm branches and laying them on the ground as he was coming through, getting ready to make his triumphal entrance into the city where just a few short days later, he would then, he would then be leaving uh, the city uh, in a very different way. Uh, going into his death that he already knew about, going into his death that he knew he was going to, and he was greeted in the city uh, as a as a coming king, and he would leave um, as the savior. And so, I hope you take time this week to evaluate uh, your life, um, think on the things that Christ has done for you, and. Think on where your life would be without him, and then think of the sacrifice that he made. And take time this week to read through that final week of Jesus' life. I want to encourage you to do that. I really do. We've been going through a series called uh, 100% Unashamed. And the reason that we call it 100% Unashamed is because in today's society, we have been made to feel bad about what the Bible says. We've been made to feel bad about what the scriptures say. We've been made to feel like that maybe, 
maybe this whole God thing, let's take what God says and kind of whittle it down and water it down and make it something maybe that it really doesn't say. And, and there have been a lot of, lot of people that have come out, even theologian people that claim to be uh, learned in, in, in the scriptures and in the text and, and in the history they would come out and they would say, well, it really doesn't mean that. It means this. Even though 2,000 years of liturgy and 2,000 years of study have said otherwise. So what I would call that is I would call that bending to society, which is something I don't want ever to do at all. Uh, I want to reflect Christ and Him crucified. And so that's what we will preach here. And so 100% unashamed is where we find ourselves. And here's the, here's the scriptures that we pull that from. It's Romans 1, chapter 16 and 17. Now, if you've been with us the whole time since last August, we've been going through the whole book of Romans. We started in chapter 1. We've worked all the way through. Every one of those uh, sermons are online. You can go and we have a podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to every one of those sermons. If you have trouble sleeping, I suggest you do that. You'll be asleep quickly. You'll be, you'll be asleep quicker than NyQuil. All right, I'm telling you. Uh, but, it, but, but literally we've been through the whole thing. And here is the anchor for this series. It's for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. And then 17 says this good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by what? By faith, and we've talked about faith a lot. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And we've talked about how that was the standard from the very beginning. It's the standard now, but it's always been the standard. It was the standard all the way from the very beginning. And what is faith? It's actually believing that God, you believe that God will do what God says he will do. And you have faith in that. You have faith in those which you, you cannot see. But you have faith in believing that God will do what He says He will do. We went through the series here and we've talked about how knowledge without application is useless. I'm going to go through a few of these. We've said that inward change before outward signs is what needs to occur. Uh, we've said that God has a transforming power where he, he no longer wants us to live in sin. We've talked about legalism. And remember this church was, was a church where, where the, the Jewish people had been sent away which left the Gentiles there. And then the emperor died and the Jewish people came back. And so there was a fight and a tug of war between what was, what was the way to worship, what was the truth about God. You had the Jewish Messianic Jews who were Christians, who were new Christians that were trying to figure out what is, what's the truth here. And so Paul wrote this whole book in order to explain and lay out the full meaning. I will tell you this, it's probably the fact of the matter is that even if there was only, matter of fact Martin Luther said this, he said that if there was only one book in the scriptures he would take Romans over any of them because it fully lays out the full message of God's plan for the world. And we've seen that every week when we have gone through the text in the series. We also talked about how we are heirs uh, and, and our position in Christ. We talked about something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and that is God's wrath. And what is God's wrath? God's wrath is God's determined will that sin will not stand, that sin will not be victorious. That is God's Wrath, And then last week we talked about going all in. And this week we're going to talk about application, application, application. Probably one of the easiest sermons 
that I've been able to write because finally what Paul does is he starts putting firm application to a lot of the things that he said before. Chapters 12 through chapter 16 are all about application. And so today, let's take a look at Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3, and let's look at those applications. It says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Now remember, he's talking to Jews and Gentiles who are in an argument about which one is greater. Remember that he's trying to find unity in the body is what he's trying to do. He's trying to pull people together. So he says, don't think yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And listen, if you ever want to be honest in your evaluation of yourself and you can't do it, just ask your spouse. Uh, He or she will let you know. That's a promise. I thought it was funny. You guys didn't. I'll go on. Just as our body, oh, here we go. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we are all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, to speak out with as much faith as God has given you, I uh, just want to let you guys know there, prophecy, when it says to prophesy, what its meaning is, is to boldly speak the truth. All right, that's what prophecy is. Okay, what prophecy's not is, is some guy coming up, reading your mail, is what some people call it. That's not really prophecy. Prophe- prophecy is when Amos stood on the border and prophesied and said, this is what God's Word says. And you prophesy forward. You want the truth to come out. So you speak it from your mouth. That's why he says, has given you ability to speak out as much with as much faith as God has given you. So you're speaking forth with that. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God, I want to encourage you guys, if your gift is giving, give generously. All right, the Bible says it. Okay, that was a little better. Okay, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if, he's, and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And then he goes this. And here's where he starts really hitting home. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. And it says, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always eager to practice hospitality. Seek out that, by the way. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. If you have a Bible you underline in, underline that. We're going to talk about that at the end. It's a very important concept I'm going to teach you. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who, are, who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. And then it goes, never pay back evil with more evil. Do, uh, do things in such a way that everyone uh, can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame 
on their heads. And then it says in verse 21, don't let, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer, e- conquer, conquer evil by doing good. All right, did I go out? Okay. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Application, application, application. We're going to hit on three of these things today. We're going to really focus in on three of these things, and I'm going to add a little, little something at the end for you. But I want to start with this. The first thing he talks out is this. He says, I want you to understand something. You need to be honest about your evaluation of yourself, and you need to make sure that you stay humble. And that's the first point, is to stay humble. I heard about a guy who was in an elders meeting one time. This is a true story. He was in an elders meeting one time. The pastor had been out sick for like six or seven weeks. And this associate pastor, he was, he was actually uh, preaching for the, for the church. It was a larger church, and he was preaching for the church. And this guy decides, you know what? I do a better job at preaching than the, associate, than the pastor does. And so he goes to an elders meeting. And in the elders meeting, they said, all right, well, that's all the business we have. Is there anyone else who'd like to bring up something? And he says, yeah, I've got something to bring up. And so they said, all right, well, go ahead. And he said, he said, uh, I, I think that um, I think that we need to ask the pastor to resign so that I can be the pastor, because I think I do a better job than he does. That really happened. And um, with all their wisdom, one of the elders said, "Well, I think it would do you good to get some humility about you." I think that is the first thing because leaders, especially those that lead churches, need to be humble. And then he responded this way, which, you know, sometimes you can, you can be ignorant, but people don't know it. But sometimes you can let your mouth say it, and then everybody finds out. And everybody found out because you know what he said next? He said, looked at the guy and said, I'm the most humble person you've ever met. Which in itself disqualifies him from the statement he just said. It's what he said. It's what he said. So in my notes, <clears throat> I have here, and this is literally what it says. I don't write out all my notes. I just have little bullet points. And it says this. It says soapbox moment. <laughs> Can I have a soapbox moment? Is that okay? Go. Is that cool? All right. So... Paul is saying to stay humble. Stay humble. I'm going to be honest with you about something. And I'm going to be completely transparent with you about how strong I feel about these things. One of the things that I see in the church today is a lack of humbleness among the leaders of the church. One of the things I see is a lack of humbleness. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary on Discovery Plus about Hillsong Church. We sing, church, we sing songs here from Hillsong Church. But I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary. If you haven't, you need to go watch it. It's three parts. It's fascinating. There's another podcast that you need to listen to called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I had our leadership team listen to that podcast, and I had our staff do the same thing. The Rise and Fall of of Mars Hill. 
And it's about a pastor in Seattle who allowed himself to think more highly of himself than he ought to. And I'm going to tell you guys something. Think about this for a second. There's never been larger churches in America like there is right now. Yet the society is worse than it's ever been. Why? I have what I think is one of the reasons why. I think there's many reasons. But I think one of the reasons is is because a lot of pastors are looking for notoriety and likes on social media. And I think they're looking to grow their church, not because God wants them to, but to feed their own ego. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there is a holy huddle in Coweta County. And there's really a holy huddle in every county. But there's a holy huddle in Coweta County. And what that holy huddle does is they go to the latest thing. And that church gets huge. And the pastor's head gets huge. And then once they get mad about something over there, they go to the other one. And they go to the other one. And they go to the other one. I'm determined that our church is never going to be one of the holy huddle pit stops. I never want that. I don't want that at all. You see, I think when a pastor doesn't know the people that he's ministering to, when he doesn't hear the stories of the people that he is supposed to minister to and love, when his heart isn't broken for the lives of the people that he hears, when he doesn't celebrate the births of children, and when he doesn't do the wedding services or the funerals, when he doesn't do life with the people, I think he loses contact and he loses connection with the people. And it goes from being, he goes from being a pastor to being a CEO. And I'll tell you this, whenever we first started here, I sent out a picture that I'm embarrassed of now. But it was a picture of a megachurch pastor and 10 people sitting around a table. And when we first planted this church, I sent it to some of our leaders and I said, why not us? Because 10 years later, that church is now a mega church. And I sent it and I said, why not us? And you know, sometimes God intervenes. I'm so thankful that it wasn't us. I'm so thankful that it wasn't us. Do you know why? Because I don't trust myself enough not to get arrogant and not to be haughty and not to get, are you with me? And here's the worst part about it. Here's the worst part about it. Remember, I said it's my soapbox, okay? I'm not teaching theology up here today. I will eventually, but right now I'm just on a soapbox moment, okay? And I rarely do this once or twice a week. But listen, I do want to say this. I think once you get a, once you have debt in a church, which we have none, And once you get to a point where you are beholden with staff and salaries, you are beholden to the people to come. I think the bigger the budget, the more watered down your message. I do. And so I believe that's why churches, instead of going through and reading the text for what it is, and seeing the text for what it is, and teaching exactly what it is, 
I think that's why they kind of skirt around the issue. They really do. Now let me say something to you. Those churches have incredible praise and worship. They do. And usually the CEO slash pastor is an incredible speaker. Much better than me. Much better than me. But I want to be honest with you about something. A lot of the people that attend those churches, whenever someone dies or someone's sick, they don't call those pastors. They call me. They call the local person with the smaller church. Listen, I'm all for growing God's kingdom. I really am. But we have to be careful that we don't become prideful and that we don't become a brand instead of becoming a ministry. Are you with me? Do you know there's a there's a there's an Instagram there's an Instagram page called Preachers and Sneakers? Did you know that? There is. It's called Preachers and Sneakers. And if you've ever ever not if you if you're on Instagram, good for you. Go follow Preachers and Sneakers because about three years ago, this guy noticed a uh, he was a Christian guy. He noticed a post by one of the mega church pastors, and he saw it. And he went, he, went on the, uh, he went on the page and he zoomed in. And he realized that the shoes this guy had on were $900 shoes. And so he said, I wonder if this is something that... So he started an account called Preachers and Sneakers. And he started posting pictures. And, and he started posting pictures of megachurch pastors and large pastors and large churches. And how much their clothing cost. One of the most prolific megachurch pastors today in America had on, I saw the other day, a $3,600 hoodie. Can I tell you that you could go through my whole closet and you won't find $360 worth of stuff, much less $3,600? Drives my wife crazy. I'm like, Wendy, that shirt worked five years ago. It's still working today. What is that about? What is that about? That's, is that the gospel? And people are like, well, I know, but you know, he earned his money from writing books. He earned his money from writing books that were basically his sermons. I'm not sure if you guys know how this works, but as a pastor, you can pay a service that will take your sermons and make them into book form, and then you can release the book. And that's how a lot of people do it. And that's how he earned his money. But the fame has gone to his head. And no longer is it a worship service, it's a worship experience. I've never felt more like a legalistic Baptist preacher than I do right now. I really do. I, I mean, hold on a second, let me go up there. Yeah, brother, if I had hair, I'd flip it over. But seriously, we've lost... We are losing the cultural war, and we win the war in the end, but right now in society, we've got bigger churches, but there are a lot of them are a mile wide and an inch deep, and it's a fact. It's a fact. People would rather go and watch a TV screen than they would to come get plugged into a church where it's a family. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm never doing that. And I've told you guys this before. Listen, do I want our church to grow? Absolutely, I want our church to grow. 
But I want our church to grow the right way. And I want our church to grow. And I'm going to tell you, I've always said this. Once we get up to, you know, we get up to four or 500 people, we're splitting off and we're going to plant somewhere else. And other people, we're going to take 100 or two and we're going to go somewhere else and have more of an impact in the community, you know, five, six, seven miles from here. And then we're going to love on those people. And then we're going to multiply that way. Why is that? Well, it's because I, I want to know the people that come here. I want to minister to those people. I want to walk through life with those people. And the same is true for Lynn and every other staff member that we have. We want to walk through life with you guys. And that's why. I think I'm off my soapbox. Whenever I first started, I wanted a ton of people. I, I did. I wanted a ton of people. And a couple years, man, I was like, gosh, man, i got to figure out how to get more people, get more people. And finally God one day said, hey, listen, why are, you keep, why are you doing this for your glory? You need to do this for my glory. And so I can't tell you how many people come. I can't. I have no idea how many people come every week. I stopped counting because my job was to teach the word and teach it fully and to love and encourage people. And that's what my job was. And so... If you guys keep coming, I'll keep doing it. If you won't, I'll go greet at Walmart. I don't know. I'll do something. I'll have a profitable, good job somewhere. Paul's telling the Jewish people, and he's telling the Gentiles, listen, don't think more highly of yourself. Don't humble yourself. Humble yourself. And, and you know what comes with that? And here's the second part. Use these gifts that you've been given. And something else I want to say real quick. Every gift that you've been giving, given can be used in this church. And here we don't think there's any gift greater than the other. So Dan gets up and he sings and he leads our worship. That's fantastic. But, but Aaron takes care of our children's ministry and that's fantastic. Do you know how I know those things are equal importance? Have you ever been in a church that didn't have a children's ministry? Do you know what the worship service was like? Crying babies. And it does give life to the church, but it's also chaos. Can you imagine if we went and got all the kids right now and just said, hey, y'all, come on in and hang out with us? You know what would happen? Several spankings and frustrated parents and not a lot of teaching. That's what would happen. We all have different roles to play. We do. And what he says is, is to keep the unity, don't think yourself to be so high and mighty. Instead, you need to sacrificially love people and do it sacrificially. Can I ask you guys a question? Um, when I was thinking about this portion of the text, I thought about when have we sacrificially loved people? And I found out and I figured out, remember a couple of months ago from the end of November until December 25th? <coughs> you guys remember that? We had a thing called the wish list. And in the wish list, we as a smaller church... We ended up giving away over $50,000 to ministries here. Remember that? Do you know how many people we told that we did that? Zero. 
We didn't tell anybody we did that. We didn't. We just wanted to sacrificially love people. My question to you is, is how did you feel when we were doing that? How did you feel? You felt great, didn't you? You did. You felt great. And people would come up to me every Sunday and say, I love, I love, I love what we're doing. And you said this to you. You said, I love the fact that I can see that the tithes and offerings are going directly back into the community. I can see that. And I love the fact that you're not going to be a church that's going to try to mount up all of this wealth that you're just going to give it right back to the community sacrificially. Well, why is that? Why did you love it so much? Well, you love it because there's two ways that you show sacrificial love. And the first one is generosity and the second one is hospitality. Generosity and hospitality. And when you show those two things, you are more like Christ than ever before. Romans 12, 9 through 13 says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And it says, always be eager to practice hospitality. And this was not to be done. This was to be done in a way that would uphold and raise up the people, not so everyone could see what you're doing. Do you know that generosity and hospitality is a lifestyle? Did you know that? Did you know the best way that you can show uh, uh, generosity and hospitality, especially generosity? You know how you can do that? When you go out to lunch today, I've said this before. I'm pretty confident that no one says, hey, you know what I really want to do? I want to be a, be a server or a waiter or a waitress. I want to be that at a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant on Sunday morning. Most of them would rather be here with you and I. But they're there serving, providing for their family. A lot of them are single moms. I've learned that over the last couple of years. A lot of them are single moms. We actually had a single mom here. We paid off her car. We, we, we are still paying for her child care until her kid gets in pre-K. We, we gave him a, 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 we gave her a, we paid for her Christmas. We, we did all those things during the wish list. It's changed her life. I talked to her. It's changed her life. She has more margin now. Her kid and her are able to do things now instead of just stay home. She's able to buy things for her kid now because she doesn't have that six, seven, eight hundred dollar burden anymore. You want to show generosity today? Make a rule. You know what? Whenever I go anywhere, no matter. And you know, some people are like, oh, well, that waiter or waitress, they were a jerk and they were blah, 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 blah. Hey, can I tell you something? If you had gone through what they had gone through, you'd probably be a jerk too. You never know their story. You make assumptions that someone's just being mean to you. The reality is, is that they've probably been through something. I can tell you that the waiters and waitresses that I've talked to have been through some stuff. And they're struggling. And when you overlook that, you are showing generosity. I tell people this all the time, but if you go to a restaurant and you don't, you don't tip big... Don't tell them you're from real church. Don't, don't bust in there with a real church shirt on and stiff somebody, okay? Wear a Crossroads shirt or South Crest or something else. Wear something else. First Baptist, something. Don't wear a real church in there doing that, all right? Because we're big givers. 
We're big givers here. You have to sacrificially love. And it goes, I want you to understand this. Paul is saying to stay in unity, and it goes right along. We are to be humble. We are to be, we are to be kind. We are to get along with each other. We are not to think ourselves bigger than we really are. We are to stay humble in the gifts that God has given us. And we use those gifts then to sacrificially love other people. And when we do that as a church body, we end up getting along. The scripture says we should try to outdo each other with love and generosity. And when you do those two things, the final thing occurs, and that is is stay at peace. Remember, Paul is writing to unify the church. I know this may, I know this may shock you. But some people at church get on my nerves. No, it's not you. But they do. Some people get on my nerves. And you know what? I get on some people's nerves. I'm shocked by that. But I do. And some people may get on your nerves. And you know what? It can be difficult sometimes to, to get along with everybody. And a lot of times what happens at a church is, is someone gets angry at someone else and they say, well, I just can't worship with them anymore. And they end up leaving and they teach their kids that whenever there's an issue, you run to that, you run, you don't, you don't deal with that issue, you run from it. And that's not how life is. That's not how life is. So the scripture says to stay at peace. Now, let me say something to you. That doesn't mean that every Sunday you have to take somebody out to lunch that you don't like. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying at is, is come to a place where you have peace and where you can say hello, hello, and move on. We don't all have to actually be friends and, and close. We don't have to do that. That's not reality. You get this many people here, some people are going to get on each other's nerves. It's just a fact. It just really is. And so what he's saying, though, is, is stay at peace. Romans 17 and 18 says this. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live at peace with everyone. Do all that you can do. Do you know what the real root issue is when people can't get along? It's pride. No one wants to submit under God's authority and everyone wants to be right. We don't want to be wrong. We feel like we have to defend ourselves. Can I tell you what I found? I found that God will defend me if I will humble myself. If I will humble myself. And I don't know if this is right or wrong. I really don't. I have no idea if this is right or wrong. But if someone I know doesn't like me, if I know for a fact someone doesn't like me and I see them in Publix or wherever, I intentionally go and say hi to them. Is that bad? Is that bad for me to do? I think it may be. I'm not sure. But I do. I do. I'm super nice to them. I've had people who have said things to me or have done things, said things about Wendy and I, and I've had people do that. And I, I just say, you know what, I'm just going to be nice to them. I'm just going to be nice to them. We had a lady one time at a church, we adopted our daughter at age 13, and we had a lady that told people that we only adopted our daughter so that she would, uh, so that she could babysit our son. And I wanted to say, let me tell you something, lady. I could have got a lot cheaper babysitter. 
Okay? All right. A lot cheaper babysitter. And she was mean-spirited about it. And I was mad, but Mama, Wendy, was real mad. But you know what I did? I was nice to her. And she faked it, and I was nice to her. I really was. And what ends up happening is, is that God ends up showing the fruit of people. And that's exactly what ended up happening in that situation. You don't have to fight your own battles, you guys. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it says the battle belongs to the Lord, not you. It's one of the reasons why I love the song, and I love this song, and I'm going to end on this. I love the song, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. I want to give you one little nugget before we go. Romans 12, 15. Do we have that verse? I think, did I put that verse up there? Right there. Oftentimes, I'm asked how people, people will have people that will go through something. And this is a free nugget. I'm not charging you for this, okay? Trust me, it's free. I'm asked how people, how, what do I do? What do I say? What do I, how do I help them when someone's going through a tough time? In Romans 12, 15, is what I call the ministry of presence. I had to learn this as a pastor because what I, I'm a guy and I'm a fixer. And so I would try to go and fix things. And men, I think you can learn this. I think the script, I think you can learn this. You probably have a better marriage too. Because your wife doesn't want you to fix it. She wants you to listen. And so, but I had to learn this. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And I had to learn that the greatest ministry that I could do with people, and the great, I am convinced that the greatest ministry you can do with people, is when people are going through a tough time or when people are going through a joyous time. You just need to go and you need to be. You don't need to say. It's called the ministry of presence. And your presence there, and your listening, and your being there, is more valuable than you'll ever know. The ministry of presence. What is Paul saying to us here? I'll tell you what he's saying. He's saying, listen, stay humble. Sacrificially love people and stay at peace. If you do those things, if you do those things, you will see unity in the body. And a lot of things will fade away. And that's what I think the Word of God has for us today. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. I pray that you would do great things in our midst. Lord, I pray that you would bring back to repentance people that have fallen away. I pray that you would let them see and walk out. Walk out the word that you have put before us today. Lord, let us be people that are humble. Let us be people that sacrificially love. And let us be people that are peacekeepers. 
Let us set aside our pride and our own sinful nature and let us instead do what is not natural for us and that is, is to allow you to fight our battles. Lord, I'm thankful for who you are and I pray that you would do what you can do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's stand and sing our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.